All right, Luke 8. This morning, Luke chapter 8. And we're just going to read, I'm only going to read the first three verses. That's our text for this morning. And uh, it's a powerful little passage of scripture, as they all are, but especially blessed uh, this morning to look at the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and some of the immediate and eternal, those are together, they're not separate, immediate, eternal um, results of his uh, ministry. So Luke 8, verse 1, and it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him, and certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. And so let's pray. Father in heaven, how we thank thee for the word of God today. We're thankful, Lord, that Jesus Christ is our Savior, and that salvation, the gospel of Christ, transforms lives. And Lord, thank, we thank thee for this very brief and yet amazing reference to some women who had been gloriously saved and transformed uh, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just pray, Lord, if there are those here today who need that transforming grace, that the Spirit of God would take the Word of God and, and use it to speak to, to their hearts. And Father, to all of us, that we just might be encouraged in the power of Christ and of his word in, in these days in which we live. And we'll thank thee, Lord, for all that's accomplished. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's think about a little bit about the, the life of our Lord, um, his earthly life, and this is all stuff that you know, but um, he came, he was born in Bethlehem, which is located in Judea, which is the southern part of Israel. If you picture Israel, it's not really a circle, but kind of picture that. Um, you have Judea in the south, and then you have Samaria, and then you have Galilee, in the north. Now Samaria really was not part of Israel. Most of you probably know that. But um, so the Lord Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem, he grew up in Nazareth. And the Luke tells us that. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Nazareth which was in Galilee. And of course Jesus spent his entire earthly life in Israel and ministered there. All right, And so um, the three verses uh, at the beginning of Luke 8, so we're, we're moving into that new chapter today, um, they're very informative and they're very precious. Again, this is early in Jesus' earthly ministry, but already some great things had happened um, in the lives of people. And later on in the, in the book of Luke, when we get there to chapter 19, Jesus himself will say, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And so everything that he did when he was on earth was geared to that end, to bring people to a saving knowledge of himself and then teach those, like his disciples and others, um, the, the, the things of, of the Word of God, and so we're going to look at this passage, just these three verses, um, and consider the subject throughout every city and village. And again, I'm reminded, especially going through the book of Luke, of the humanity of the Lord Jesus, his compassion, his mercy, his kindness toward people, but also the fact that whatever he taught, he set the example. Now, he didn't say to his disciples yet, 
Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But do you notice what it says here about Jesus' ministry? That's the first thing we're going to look at. Proclamation. And it came to pass afterward, verse 8, or verse 1 rather, chapter 8, and that would be after the events of chapter 7. And again, chapter 7 is a precious chapter of God's Word. You know, chapter 7 ends with the, with the salvation of the woman who was a sinner. Remember the one who came in and, and cried, wept over him, and dried his feet with her, with her hair, washed him with tears, and anointed his feet with, with ointment. And Jesus said to her, Thy sins are forgiven. Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. And so God saved people even before he went to the cross. All right? And, and just like in the Old Testament, those people were saved by faith, by grace through faith, by offering the sacrifices. And here these people were saved. They were just as saved as you and I because God, God took into account their faith in Jesus and what he would do on the cross. Just like every Old Testament saint was saved, like David and Moses and all those, they were saved because of what Christ would do in the future. I remember one of the first questions, I don't know how I, when I was first a believer, a little kid, about eight years old, I said to the Sunday school teacher, well, how did people get saved in the Old Testament? He, and he, I think it was a he, he said, um, just like they do now, by grace through faith. They believed in what God would do we believe in what God has done, all right? And so, anyway, so, so people were being saved in his ministry. We will see people, we will see them in heaven. We will see that sinner woman in Luke 7. We will see these women that are mentioned here in chapter 8. And, of course, as we go through the book of Luke, one of the exciting things is we're going to see more examples of individuals who came to personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, and by the way, um, people came to him as a result of his preaching to the multitudes, like in Samaria. But a lot of people came to Jesus Christ by one-on-one, one-on-one ministry. And you know, it's, it seems today that in our day, um, the way things are, it just seems like more people come to the Lord through personal contact, one-on-one, than come, you know, come forward in church. Or, and, that, and that's okay. I mean, both of those things are ordained of God. It's ordained that we have public meetings and preach the word. But it's also ordained to God that we, come, we you know, minister to individuals and, and groups and that sort of thing. And Jesus Christ did that. He was the great example. He might preach to 20,000 today and then talk to one person tomorrow. All right? That's... That was his ministry, all right? And so, he goes around, and what did he do? Every, every city and village. He didn't leave anybody out. Not one town, not one village was left out. And what was he doing? Preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And so, um, a couple words there. Preaching simply means proclaiming, telling, and the word preaching also includes the urging of acceptance of the message with warnings of consequences for not doing so. Now, one of those places is in, in the Gospel of John, which emphasizes Christ as the Son of God. There are several times when he spoke there, but in, in every all the four Gospels, warning people, inviting people to come, and warning them what would happen if they didn't believe in him. And so that's part of preaching. 
But then he also says, showing the glad tidings. Now, showing the glad tidings is one expression in Greek, and it's where we get our English word evangelism. It's this idea of, of explaining... So, preaching and explaining the gospel. That's, that's all, that word showing the glad tidings. Another way to describe that would be the good news. All right? Gospel means good news. And, and so he's doing the work of an evangelist, traveling, preaching, um, preaching the word of God, showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and I'm reminded to that, remember when the Lord Jesus came to earth, there had been no word from God for about 400 years, and they were just in darkness. I mentioned that before, but Matthew chapter 4 emphasizes that fact, they that walked in darkness, the people in darkness, the people in the shadow of death, have seen light. And so we think about that, we think about Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. You know, what kind of a world did he come into? A dark world. What does John 1 say? He came into his own, and his own received him not. Before that it says, he was in the world, and the world knew him not. Just like the world today. Eight billion, something like that, people on earth. How many even acknowledge there's a God? Not very many. Not very many percentage-wise, even if it's a billion. That's one-eighth that's one of the world's population. So that's the kind of world that Christ came into. And so he came preaching, showing the glad tidings of the, of the, of the kingdom of God. Now that's the kingdom of God. And that word kingdom, of course, means a, a royal rule or dominion in the Old Testament and New Testament both speak of the kingdom of God. And it refers to God's rule over all things, his rule of the universe, his rule of all things, his, his rule over people, over events and circumstances, all the things God rules over. All right? We need to remember, don't forget, in these days in which we live, God has not taken his hand off the world. He is still there. He's still on the throne. He's still ruling. He's, he's giving people, giving mankind the opportunity to be saved. He, he's also giving them the freedom to choose whether to believe or not to believe. And of course, there's consequences. But, um, but in, this, in, this, in the New Testament setting, um, the kingdom of God has a special reference to the rule of God in the hearts of men through the acceptance and submission to Jesus Christ through the gospel, bringing people to salvation and entrance into Christ's spiritual kingdom. All right, take a look with me at a couple, um, Acts chapter 10. Let's go there first, just a couple passages, and we'll come right back to Luke. But please look at Acts chapter 10 about Jesus and his proclamation of the word of God. Luke, or I'm sorry, Acts chapter 10, verse 36, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. And so as you go back in the Gospels, you'll find out that Jesus actually began his ministry in Galilee 
and then then went all through the country, and he went to Judea, and then he kept going back and forth um, throughout the land of Israel. You notice that he, he after the baptism, which John preached, now that's, he, John was a forerunner of Jesus Christ, and when John's ministry was finished, Jesus Christ's ministry began. They overlap just a tiny bit. But then here's what Peter says, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. He was brought up there, he was raised there, he was known as Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all the repressed of the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. Notice it says in verse 37, the word was published. Christ proclaimed the word of God. Then let's go back to John, let's go to John chapter 3 for just a moment. Uh, John chapter 3. And it says there, um, John chapter 3, we're going to start verse 1 and read a few verses regarding the kingdom of God. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Pharisees, you know, we've heard of those, right? Those rulers. Many times in the Gospels it says they came to him tempting him. So many times the Pharisees would come to him with a question or a statement trying to catch him or trap him, get him to say something wrong so they'd have a reason to get rid of him. Now the Bible doesn't say that about Nicodemus. The Bible doesn't say that this Pharisee came to trip up Jesus. The Bible says here the same came to Jesus by night. John chapter 3 verse 2 and said unto him, Rabbi, we know, by the way, rabbi is a term of higher respect than just master. We know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man could do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. You, do you see any trick, any trick question in Nicodemus' statement? No. He's simply stating what he observed and apparently some others. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? All right, what was Nicodemus's hope, hindrance here? What was his problem? He, he, he didn't understand the idea of spiritual birth. When he heard born... He thought about physical birth as a baby. He said, well, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? So again, I don't think Nicodemus is expressing like an argumentative spirit or denying what the Lord said. He just says, I don't, I don't understand. How can it happen? How can it be? Well, Jesus answered, verse 5, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, born of water is a Jewish expression for physical birth because of the water sack, you know, that the baby's in. So Jesus said, yes, born of, you're born once physically. You need to be born spiritually. Born of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. See that the connection with verse 5? Born of the flesh, born of water, born of the spirit, born of the spirit. Okay? The connection there. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. And that's salvation. When, we're, when a person receives Christ as Savior, they are born again at the spiritual birth. And so that is the entrance in, in this day. Entrance into the kingdom of God is through being born again. And, and, and um, if you have a Bible that has red letters, you have, how many, how, you, the most of you have the words of Christ in red, you will, you will notice that Jesus' words continue down to verse 21. So therefore, John 3.16, a verse that we all love, was spoken by Jesus to Nicodemus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then before that, uh, Jesus reminded Nicodemus of Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. And do you think Nicodemus uh, knew that story? You better believe he did. He probably had taught it many times. And so Jesus is making that comparison. Now, we won't take time this morning, but there's a couple other times that Nicodemus is mentioned in the book of John. Right? And one of those is when Jesus was being criticized by the Pharisees, Nicodemus defended him. All right, let's go back to Luke. While you're turning back to Luke, and then you remember that when Jesus died on the cross, Nicodemus was one of the ones who brought spices and things, and he helped with the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, um, again, I, I'm pretty sure that Nicodemus was got saved at some point, and that we'll see him in heaven. Um, so let's go back to Luke uh, chapter 8. Let's see, it says something else here. And the twelve were with him, the last part of verse 1. The twelve were with him. So they were, so we can learn a couple things from that. Uh, first of all, the twelve are all complete now. The twelve he's, he's chosen, all twelve disciples, and they're accompanying him. That's the idea. They were with him. Uh, they were witnessing, watching his ministry, and, and very soon, in fact, um, uh, the next chapter, when you get to Luke chapter 9, is recording that Jesus sent them out to start using what they were learning. Okay? Very, very important, very important principle. And so, they're with him. Um, I want you to please, again, look at Mark 3 for just a minute. Keep your place in Luke chapter uh, 8 and go to Mark 3 for just a moment. Um, I'm thinking of, um, I had this verse in my notes already, but it just became even more precious when I read the testimony of Pastor Rutherford and, and how he died in prison and he wrote letters about how his, the wonderful fellowship he had with God while he was in prison and that time with Christ. It reminded me of Mark chapter 3 um, where it talks about the Lord Jesus. He's in the process of choosing his disciples. Right? Luke 8, they're already chosen. They're already, they're, they've already begun. But in Mark chapter 3, look at verse 13. He goeth up into a mountain, calleth unto him whom he would. So in other words, there was a time when he, he called certain ones to meet with him. And they came unto him. And he ordained twelve. So out of those that came to him, he ordained twelve that they should be with him. 
and that he might send them forth to preach and have power and so forth. But you notice the first thing it says about these is that they should be with him. Right? With him. So later on, after Jesus died, he's already been crucified and shed his blood for us. He buried, rose again, back to heaven. The disciples are preaching. Acts chapter 4, the Bible says those rulers noticed, took note of them that they had been with Jesus. So he, 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 he longed for fellowship, communion, and teaching them and so on, but they were with him. So they're with him. And from this point on, back to Luke 8, please. From this point on, they're with him every day. Every day for about three and a half years total. They're with him, right? And so, they were with him. Um, very interesting. They were with him to help him minister the word of God, as we'll see from chapter 9. But my second point this morning is transformation, because there's others with him. So, you know, just kind of picture the Lord Jesus traveling from village to village, town to town, city to city, and by this point in his ministry, everywhere he goes, there's, there's, there are people following him. They're accompanying him whenever they could, right? And so, not only, but then in verse 2, look who's with him. Who's traveling with him? Certain women. Okay, a group of women. Notice what these women all have in common, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. And then it gives some names, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. So these women also, there were a number of women who accompanied him as followers. They, these were among the first fruits of his ministry. These are among the first ones whose lives were changed, were transformed. Now what does it say? Notice what it says about them. These women had been healed. They'd been cured. They'd been delivered from, first of all, it says evil spirits. In other words, demons. Now look, I looked up the word evil spirits and it's the idea they're characterized by wickedness and opposition to God. And infirmities. Notice it says um, they were healed of evil spirits and infirmities. And infirmities are weaknesses or illnesses which can be physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. The infirmity here covers the whole realm of things that we can suffer from. And so I said that to say that in the case of demon possession, there were often other symptoms. And we'll, and we'll see some of those as we go through the book of Luke where some people, because of demon possession, were deaf. Some of them were dumb. That means they were mute. They couldn't speak. Uh, one lady was bent over. Remember the lady that was bent over for 18 years, couldn't raise herself up? That was due to a, an affliction from the devil and so on. But these women had been delivered. Um, they had been set free. So therefore, their lives had been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at some of these. It just mentions really three by name, and it really only says something about two. But Mary called Magdalene. Magdalene means from Magdala, which is a city of 
Galilee. So she was she she had been it, a city near the Sea of Galilee, the west coast of the Sea of Galilee, the west seashore, and uh, she had been uh, she had been uh, out of whom it says went seven devils. Now, now, um, could I read for you if you could turn? I'm going to get there. I'm going to read this really quick. But Mark 16 and verse 9 says that, that after Jesus arose from the grave, this is what it says. Um, <clears throat> uh, Mark 16:9 says, Now when Jesus was risen early, the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils, all right? Seven demons. So the fact that, that, that Jesus had cast them out means that she was demon-possessed. She had seven demons living inside of her, all right? And that's, and that's very possible. Uh, in fact, it's likely in Jesus' day he encountered many people that were demon-possessed, all right? Now, not to, you know, carry this on longer than necessary, but uh, you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but um, have you ever encountered anybody in your life that you think is demon-possessed? Yes, I have. All right? Dealt with a couple people that one of them even said he was. All right? And so anyway, so it's very, it's common today too, but it's not recognized, not, a, not in society, not in the so-called medical world. It's really not recognized. All right? But that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And, you know, and so there are people, and, and um, you know, people can become demon-possessed. And there are certain things like you know, uh, satanic, you know, heavy metal, rock and roll music, you know, drugs, and, and different alcohol, and immorality. They, these kind of things open the door for demonic possession if a person is not saved. Now, if a person is a believer, Convinced, and I know some will argue, but I believe the Bible the nowhere said nowhere, nowhere, nowhere ever says a Christian, a saved person, can be demon possessed. Never says that in the Bible. To the contrary, the Bible says we're sealed by the Holy Spirit, and so on. Greater is He that's in you, the Bible says, Holy Spirit, than He that is in the world. Right? But believers can be influenced by demons, like Peter was. You know, Jesus said, I'm going to go to the cross. Peter said, no, you're not. <laughs> and Jesus said, get to behind me, Satan. Why did he say that? Because Peter was being influenced by worldly, the things that be of men. But where do you think the, the things that be of men ultimately come from? The devil inspires these things. So, but this dear poor, this poor lady, this Mary Magdalene, seven devils, seven demons lived in her. Now, let's go on. And Joanna the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward. So that was King Herod at the time. And a steward there means a foreman or a manager. So this man Chusa was a pretty important person in Herod's realm. His wife was transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And Susanna, I'm not going to say anything about her. That's all it says her name. Obviously, people in that day in that area would have probably known who she was. These were women of substance, at least some kind of substance, because it says this, many others which ministered unto him of their substance. And so these women used their material possessions. Have you ever wondered how, how Jesus was taken care of? Uh, you know, 
for food and all that on earth. You know, he didn't make his own. You know, he never did that. He made, he, he performed miracles and fed others, but there's no place in the Bible that says he ever made it for himself. In fact, one time the devil said, right, the devil said to him, if you're the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. He wouldn't do it. Jesus Christ never used his earthly powers for his own benefit, always for the benefits of others. And so, remember, in fact, we're going to get there, hopefully one of these days, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus will say to a man who wanted to follow him, I don't have a place to lay my head. Jesus didn't even have a house. Right? He had no earthly possessions. And so these, you know, these women, because they had some means, they used it for the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? They ministered unto him of their substance. So that's my third kind of got into already, and that is appreciation. So Jesus, you know, this is this is we could we could use these three things as just a microcosm of Jesus Christ's ministry and the the ministry of God's word today. Here, this is a wonderful little picture of what God is doing, what God's seeking to do in people's lives. First of all, the proclamation. A person has to hear the gospel. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. When the gospel of Christ is heard and believed, and the conviction of the, of the Spirit of God comes upon the person, and they call out to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, then there's salvation and transformation. If any man be in Christ, a new creature. Behold, old, thi- um, old, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. They're transformed. We're not the same person that we were before we're saved. And then there is, and there needs to be, there's appreciation. All right? No, and, and here, these women showed their appreciation for what Christ had done by taking care of his earthly needs. Again, food, maybe whatever, shelter and, and that sort of thing. They provided with they provided him. They ministered. The idea of the word minister is to serve or wait upon. Alright? They they were attentive. It means to, to attend to. So when he you know when, when he needed something earthly, they provided that. And also, along, therefore, because they did that, because they supported him, they, it also shows they recognized the importance of his ministry. Realized it was important. Okay? Now, um, Galatians 6, 6 says this. I wrote it down. Let him that is taught in the word, like these people were being taught, communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. I had a a fellow tell me years ago, his idea of a pastor is somebody who works once a week, sits around the rest of the time, and expects people to take care of him like he's on welfare. Do you you, you feel that what you guys, you think about that, of a pastor? Um, but I had, I've heard, I've heard many times. Okay, some, there's some people here, they, they want to keep me humble, <laughs> so they tease me about working one day a week. But I hear that all the time in the community. So I ask people, hey, come with me, spend the day with me. Nobody, so far, nobody's taken me up on that. But what I'm saying is that the, the, the Word of God makes it very clear that churches are to be, you know, 
finance by the giving. You know, we're not supposed to sell things and you know, Jesus threw people out of the temple because they turned the house of God into a house of, house of merchandise. And so, this is an opportunity for me. I wanted to say, I don't know if I say it enough, but by the way, beloved, you here, thank you. Thank you for taking good care of my wife and me. Just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For you provide for us so well, and we we're very appreciative of that. Um, so, thank God. Thank God. And these women, these women, they showed their appreciation for what Jesus Christ had done for them. All right. So, saving faith in Jesus Christ leads to a transformed life. You know, do you ever... Some, some of you have been saved, uh, maybe you were saved younger in life, or maybe you were saved later in life. It really doesn't matter. Do you ever stop it and think about where you might be if you had never gotten saved? Do you ever think about that? I guess I think about it more and more um, the older I get, because you know, I'll be 68 years old in a couple months, and, and I think about most of my uncles and aunts, Myers is my dad, most of them didn't make it that long. Uh, a lot of my uncles and aunts died in their 40s and 50s um, because of substance abuse and you know just just you know misusing their bodies and things like that. And so I'm I'm often think about that if if I hadn't if the Lord hadn't got a hold of my life and it was a miracle it really was considering the background my and all that um, I doubt if I'd be alive today I really don't I don't think so maybe some of you wouldn't either who knows um, but praise the Lord for what He does for us right and how he transforms our life. Well, and again, one of the results of salvation, and, we're gonna, and again, we're gonna, we'll see this in the book of Luke, very, very, very graphically, people who got saved and immediately wanted to follow the Lord. All right? They wanted to serve him. They wanted to show their gratitude. So one of the results of salvation in a transformed life is the desire to serve Christ in any way we can. Um, and you know, um, when a person is saved, you know, they, they want other people to be saved. Um, you know, you can, everybody can pray, you know, not every, and, and um, people can try to help, you can, and you can give to support. Again, it's the, the support that comes in is, is wonderful. You know, maybe some of you teach classes, you can do those things, but whatever you find to do for the Lord, it needs to be done out of gratitude for what he's done for us. Oh, oh it's, it's marvelous. And, and these are wonderful. Again, it seems to me, I mean, these, these, some of these stories are also in Matthew, Mark, and John, but it just seems so precious in Luke because we just see that, that huma the humanity and the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we and praise the Lord for that. And so if uh, trust that you all here today have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, um, if you're not sure about that, we're, we're here to help you. Um, just encourage you in, in the days in which we live. Uh, just keep serving the Lord. Just keep, you know, keep living for Him. Uh, keep your keep our eyes on things above, not on things on the earth. I mean, before we even meet together again, the trumpet could sound and we'd all be with the Lord. I mean, that's how that's how Emma. It could happen. It could happen today. I mean, but I wish it would happen right now. That's what that's my dream, right? When we're in church, I'd love us to be singing, "Oh Lord Jesus, how long, how long?" And there we go. I don't know if it's going to be that way, but anyway. But praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for this time we could meet together today. Thank you for the singing of these great hymns, dear Lord. And please continue to help us as we seek to accompany the singing. And Father, thank you for the time that we can pray 
uh, for one another and for, for missionaries and just people all over the world and for our leaders. And dear God, I just, we, we just want again, I, I pray for our country. Um, I, Lord, I, I know there's millions of Christians who are praying for America. And God, would you hear and answer those prayers? We've asked that you might just send revival and just see some great, that we might see some great things happening and that one of the things that would do would just put down, it would just, it would be such a great thing to, to rise up against all the wickedness and evil that is sweeping our land. And then Lord, if there are those with, with uh, special spiritual needs today, encourage them, dear God, help them. And we just ask that you would receive all the honor and the glory and the praise for all that's accomplished. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, all right, let's take our hymn books once again. Um, number 247. 247. Um, just going to sing a couple verses of this hymn. Great old hymn, invitation hymn, Jesus is Calling. Um, Jesus is Calling. And, you know, if, and he, Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Let's stand. If you're here today, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you want to make sure of that today. We invite you to come as we sing, or we can talk to us at the door afterwards. Um, whatever, whatever the need is in your life, we encourage you. Um, we're going to sing the. Um, let's sing verses um, two and four, shall we? Verse two, verse four. Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling the weary to rest, calling today, calling today. Bring him thy burden and thou shalt be blessed. He will not turn thee away. Calling today, calling today. Jesus is calling his tenderly, calling today. Jesus is pleading, oh, list to his voice. Hear him today, hear him today. They who believe on his name shall rejoice. Quickly arise and away. Calling today, calling today. Jesus is calling, is tenderly calling today. All right, amen. Heavenly Father.
Father, we're so thankful that you love us and called us and you continue to speak to us through the word of God and thank you for everyone who's come out today and Lord we want we again we just lift to those, those to you that have such special needs today that thou Lord would hear and answer and and just raise those up that need to be raised up Lord and just give us courage oh God help us those especially who are out there in the world I'll give them special grace and help as they they face all things that that we face in these days. And Lord, just be with us throughout the afternoon. Please clear the way. Give everybody safety to their homes. And we also ask thy blessing on the service tonight. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.